tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. This podcast has been brought to you by Cuts by Candice. Candice Gist is a hairstylist that listens to your needs and will work with you to get the right look for you. With 18 years of experience, Candice is the premier stylist that I trust with my look. And right now, if you mention this ad, when you make an appointment from now until the end of February 2019 and give our promo code GEEKOUT, you will get 10% off your hair services. Follow Cuts by Candice on Facebook and Cuts underscore Candice on Instagram and start looking the best you, you can. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds where it's the same year and you're the same person, but everything else is different? And what if you can't find your way home? Welcome back for another issue of Imagine If on the Geek Elite Media Networks. That's right, Geek Elite Media. Uh, Like we said said last week, it's a whole new year. I think with a brand new year, we need to do a brand new day. Ooh, coming back to some challenge action. So I like that. Nice tie-in. So yeah, brand new days. We're going to revisit Marvel's controversial Joe Quesada-inspired uh, sensational Spider-Man story <laughs> that took all things amazing about love and changed it. God, that story's been what? We're talking over 10 years for sure. And you know what? It's still salty in a lot of fans. Oh. <laughs> There's like, what is it? You know how they got those like change.orgs? There's a lot of petitions out there. It's just, I don't know. It was so weird. It was just, I don't know. It was such a strange change and just out of nowhere. And... Well, of all the ways to separate Pete and MJ, magic, yeah, Spider Man, yeah. I mean, not to say he 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 doesn't deal with it, but he doesn't really deal with it. But see, wouldn't it have been better because it's it's Spider Man, it's Peter Parker to do a more grounded in in reality, you know, relationship breakup to be like, hey, the two of them, you know, for some some reason, they 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 went separate ways, not oh, yeah. magic, like the Peter Parker luck could be like, well, I need to go do this so that. Whoever, you know, I just think it would have been better if MJ was like, I can't handle it. I mean, I know we had seen it. She could do that. Or, you know, or even the fact or that even maybe Peter this time is like, I shouldn't be putting you through this. Or, it, it, I mean, his his Aunt May had just died. That's the whole reason we have the whole thing. Yeah. He could have been like, no, I can't do this. I can't have you be it at risk all the time and walked away kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there are definitely other solutions other than Mephesto coming in and being like, it's I want okay. you guys' love. So here's some magic to say no one remembers you. And uh, I'll fix that other problem real quick. No, I guess words. I guess the I guess that was the other problem was to the identity exposure. Yeah, the, yeah. Well, yeah, because it's like they had such a great idea where it was like, hey, let's uh, let's expose Spider-Man's identity for Civil War. That's just a quick event. Oh shit. Um. Well. <laughs> um. Uh, Put the genie in the bottle. We don't care how. Just do it. And Mephesto is going to be like, hey, I know that's quite a thing. Let me do this for you real quick. <laughs> well, okay. We'll talk about that more when we get to it. But as always, let's talk about the spinner rack. All right. So here we are. A brand new comic book day. The best day of the week. So if you go to your comic book stores, what could you find on the racks? Well, fresh from DC Comics, we have Adventures of the Super Sons, issue 6 of 12. So you're hitting the halfway point of the adventures of Damien and Jonathan. Now, how does that tie into what's happening <laughs> with Jonathan in 
action comics right now? Uh, this is just fun. <laughs> I don't think like I mean it's easily one of those events that you could you would obviously put it in before before he left with probably. The- God, when did he take off with his grandpa? Before Bendis. So that's right. how you. That's how we'll mark things. Yeah, There's it's, BC, it's, and so there'll be <laughs> B, BMB before Michael Ben Brian. Brian Michael, Michael Bendis. Bendis. <laughs> so yeah, so that's, that's how I would play it in my mind. It's it's probably just a great way to look at the continuation of action comics from Pete Tomasi. Or no, wait, he did Superman. Sorry, so to continue the Superman stories there. Mm. So yeah, that's how I'd look at it in that regard. But I mean, how do any of these books fit? Because. One of the other issues coming up on the spinner rack is Batman issue 62, which how do you fit Batman? You know, I mean, he's got such a different voice everywhere he goes. True. I feel. But um, anyways, with this issue, Batman 62, this will continue on from the previous issue with the boy who wanted to be Bruce Wayne. I don't know if you read issue 61 yet. Dude, okay, I think this goes all the way back to like issue thirty-two. It was the kid who yeah, his parents that, died, yeah. and you know, and he carved Thomas and then Martha under his eyes. Mm-hmm. Holy cow, this kid's sick! Like <laughs> this is one of the most twisted Batman villains, and it's a kid. So yeah, I don't know, crazy stuff there. Uh, I'll be curious to see. Like I know a lot of people didn't receive issue sixty-one very well. Uh, they were kind of bummed that that was the last Batman comic of last year. So hopefully, this one will be um, a little bit better. My thoughts. So I don't know. I enjoyed it, but you know, two parters are always risky. Mm-hmm. So yeah, hopefully this second part will give that closure much needed. But again, I look at it; it's a big story. Like I'm not done till issue 105. So when people are making these conclusions, it's like, no, man, we still got a ways to go. <laughs> uh, let's see. Moving along, Batman: Kings of Fear, Part Six of Six will c- complete the conclusion to that miniseries. You know, it was kind of neat. Um, I would definitely say if you're a Scarecrow fan, obviously this is a great story to pick up. Um, it's the, a writer. Well, okay, Scott Peterson and Kelly Jones have teamed up. Kelly Jones is very famous for his run on Batman. He's got a very unique style of art. He's even done some work on Dead Man. But I just I could never really get into it. And sadly, this felt like one of those stories where it's like, will it really count or not? So that's a tough one. I think they do that. They kind of get these former creatives from eras past, and it's like, hey, could you do something? Because maybe we'll get the other guys to come back to comics. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um, Green Arrow will be on issue 48. Green Lantern will be on its third issue. I have to say I'm enjoying this. Uh, I was very scared with Grant Morrison coming on board, but he's done some interesting concepts, and Liam Sharp, his art is amazing. Like, we have the best creative right now, so I am very, very stoked there. Um, Injustice Gods Among Us, year four, the complete collection trade paperback. So again, Injustice, I know I've talked a lot about it, and I probably will keep talking a lot about it. Um, these are very neat. They're doing trade paperbacks that contain the whole year, so the 12 issues and the annual in one book instead of it being split amongst two hardcovers or two trades. So results may vary in how you like to collect. Justice League will be celebrating its 15th issue. Uh, Things will be coming off very interesting from there because this one will feature kind of uh, Martian Manhunter and then dealing with his secrets and and some of the information he knows from Lex Luthor. So there's been a lot of play between those two characters, so I find that kind of interesting. So this should probably be, I think, a building issue that will probably lead to another big arc. And speaking of John Jones... Martian Manhunter issue two of 12 will be out. You know, I haven't read the first issue. I haven't heard a lot of talk, so I hope it did good, but I don't know. But I'm, I'm interested in this series myself. Nightwing issue 56 will continue the adventures of Rick Grayson. You know, I kind of like the idea of the Nightwings. I think they're great uh, from issue 55, seeing the four 
uh, law enforcement, well, three law enforcement, one fireman being the Nightwings. I thought that was pretty cool. I'm enjoying that. So it'll be kind of interesting to see uh, how they stack up. Now, this is going to be the big issue of the week, and I can't wait to see your uh, – uh, your reaction to it, Young Justice Number One, wow. back Connor <laughs> Kent, Impulse, Tim well, Drake, like Superboy, Impulse, yeah. and Robin. So yeah, and plus uh, Wonder Girl and, and several others. Yep. So any anything that you're expecting from the series? Oh, I don't know. I don't know what to what. I really don't know what to expect. Uh, it's, I I can't wait to find out what is going to be entailed with bringing these characters back it is an imprint so is it going to be in the dc comics canon you know proper or is this a side story is this tales from the other dc yeah it'll be kind of interesting to see how they fit in yeah because you know because they canceled that one book that I was excited for. It was the Other Tales of the DC Universe or something like that. It had Black Lightning on the cover. Like I kind of thought that was going to be an interesting book, but they canceled it. So oh, wow. I don't know. I don't know how what what this book is going to be. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm very intrigued by it. Um, Bleeding Cool. They love to run spoilers, and mm-hmm. they ran an article on Sunday, and it talked about DC's only had seven crises. And I was like, that's interesting, mm. you know, like, because first off, what counts as a crisis, what doesn't. Right. Because for the longest time, even though it was billed as zero hour crisis on Infinite Earth, mm-hmm. it really wasn't considered a crisis level event, even though it was huge. You know, I think it, it should have been. But then again, if you're going to look at that, then does DC 1 million count as a crisis level event as well? You know, that's true. I mean, does I mean, identity crisis has the word crisis in it, but it does, it's not. I mean, it, it was pretty changing, but it's not like. Crisis on Infinite Earths, where you're mer- merging worlds or anything. Yeah, like that. you know, people like did live and die, but you didn't have worlds living it, and dying. Yeah, when Infinite <laughs> Crisis came along, you know, it made oh, it made huge. Some, yeah, so yeah, so I'm I'm very curious to to see what their list is of what counts and what doesn't, because right now, I mean, we technically have two major things going on with Heroes in Crisis and Doomsday Clock, right. And I mean, Doomsday Clock definitely is looming on it. (laughs) And then a big question, uh, somebody, I think I caught that in the message board on there. Um, What about DC Rebirth? You know, does that special count as anything? Is it just an issue or, you know. That's interesting. How do you how do you include that? You know, because I kind of had a theory. I was like, oh, maybe that represents like issue one, you know, and then so on. But I think editorials had so many changes that it's like, <laughs> never mind that plan. <laughs> so that theory got flushed. Uh, but anyways, okay, moving to the other side of the fence. Over at Marvel Comics, we will have Astonishing X-Men, the trade paperback by Michael Rosenberg, Until Our Hearts Stop. So Astonishing X-Men surprisingly kept being published. Uh, You had the first, basically, year being written by Charles Soule, and then this will continue collecting the next story arc, issues 13 through 17, and the annual. Um, This one was pretty cool because it actually, I think it gave Havoc and Dazzler, like they got... They, got, they came out of it looking really good. And then we got Banshee back, and we got to see a little bit of um, Charles Xavier being back as X. And then he had that reunion in the annual with Beast, Iceman, Angel, and Gene. Um, that was a weird reunion. Like mm. It kind of, to me, I mean, it made Xavier look like a bad guy. <laughs> Pretty much always has looked like a bad guy. But anyways, so if you definitely heard good stuff about it, I'd say it's a risk worth taking, uh, especially with Matt Rosenberg. He will be, right now you have a collection of writers writing Uncanny X-Men. He'll be the first and only one to write the book after that group is done. So that could lead into some stuff there. 
Avengers, the new incarnation, will be celebrating their 12th issue. You know, like I said, it's been very exciting to see Justice League and Avengers kind of being at their top again. Uh, I've kind of fallen out with it. It's it's weird, you know, but I'm excited to see, though, that those books are definitely high priority again. Uh, movie magic always influences things, so we have a miniseries, The Black Order, part three of five. <laughs> uh, I don't want to plug this. I'm just being polite, but... They sucked when they first appeared. They <laughs> sucked in the movie. Maybe wait for the trade if you can get it for a good price. Uh, speaking of movies, though, Captain Marvel number one. Yes, Carol's got a movie coming. So, hey, let's start off with a brand new number one. So these are going to be the new adventures of Carol. I don't even know if I can call her Carol anymore. What's her new name? You know, so it's that's, true. That's kind of got the new uh, Cree name instead <laughs> of uh, her human name because. As we see in the movie, well, actually in the the life of Captain Marvel yeah. book, they, we find out that she's a little bit more Cree than we were expecting. You know, I'm kind of let down by that. I wish they would have just left it like, keep her kind of like the Hal Jordan aspect. You mm-hmm. know, there's nothing wrong with an Earth person going out into space. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I know you could argue, well, isn't that Richard Ryder? But so what? <laughs> you know, like, what are they doing with Richard Ryder right now? What are they doing with the man called Nova? Nothing. So if Carol gets that spot, let her have it. Yeah, sure. You know, let her definitely do some stuff there. So I, I don't know. I was hopeful. <laughs> I mean, would that go backwards and retcon why uh, she didn't lose her powers during House of M? Because if you remember in House of M, she she was she the was better off because of it. Yeah, because she was she was the the one human that had superpowers and. And yeah. uh, she was well respected, and she was kind of like Earth's protector against you know, even though all the mutants are around that have powers and stuff like that, she's still the human. But now, if you go backwards, you go, well, that's why she didn't lose her powers is because she's actually an alien. Yeah, that's a nice, happy little accident. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's a good thought. We didn't think about it that way. Nope, they were you thinking know? 10, 12 years down the line. Yeah. Gonna- <laughs> when she gets her movie. This will definitely help us. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like, I always look at Carol as a funny character. My first introduction to her was at the, um, beginning of Avengers volume three with Kurt Busiek and George Perez. So that was the hero's return. And in that one, they kind of played with the idea that her powers were fading out. Like she wasn't as powerful as she used to be. She didn't have her binary form. And then she was also fighting an alcohol problem. And I found that really interesting, especially like because Tony Stark was kind of a jerk to her. He mm-hmm. wasn't like, "Hey, I'll you know I'll be there for you." He was kind of like, "No, that shit's controlling you." No. So figure it out. You know, that's that's interesting because you know as as we've gone forward with Tony Stark's story, Tony Stark's story, he's <laughs> uh he's you know he's he's the alcoholic. You know, he's yeah. he's made sure that he doesn't drink anymore. And he stays away from it, but yet you still see Carol drinking all the time. Oh, yeah. Well, I think people forgot about that era. I kind of did. You know, like I I totally forgot about her until they went to um, that era of Avengers under new Avengers under Mendes. And it was kind of like, oh, yeah, all that stuff was pushed away. It's like a whole new character. (laughs) Maybe that's what I'll do to retcon. And I'll be like, no, that Carol, that Carol was our Carol. This new Carol has been implanted by the Kree Empire. (laughs) Yeah, that uh, I I would say that my unfortunately, my first introduction to Carol is from the x-men cartoon it, you oh know, nice because that's that's where rogue gets her powers from i was like yeah. i honestly was like so captain or ms marvel was a <laughs> was an actual character like kind of thing she's a thing like there's actual books about her that wasn't yeah. wasn't just uh this is how rogue got her powers so that is very interesting because what's the the story there that's that's rogue takes her powers in what year like 1970 something um actually i, I want to say i think it might have been 83 
three. Okay. It wasn't. It was. I mean, it was, yeah. I guess it was a while ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like early eighties. Yeah. And so basically, Mystique and her brand of her brotherhood of evil. So like Pyro, Avalanche, Blob, Destiny, and Rogue. They were going out there, and it just so happened this time. Hey, the Avengers went and. Rogue was kicking ass because obviously she can steal powers, she can steal abilities, and you know she just wound up holding on to Ms. Marvel way too much, and it screwed her up. Um, then finally, she kind of felt distant and used from her mom, Mystique, and the Brotherhood that she left them and went to the X Men. And it was funny because the X Men were like, "No, they didn't want her around." They're <laughs> like, "No, you're a bad guy. You you brought this on yourself. You fix it." And finally, Xavier was like, you can't tell her that. Yeah, she, This is the whole point yeah. of our school. All of you guys are screwed up. <laughs> I took you in. <laughs> so what, at that point, in 1983, was Captain Marvel already dead? I believe so. So Captain Marvel was already dead, and Ms. Marvel, you know, the editorial mandate comes down. It's like, oh, well, we're going to go ahead and just put her on ice, put her into a coma, so yeah. we won't have a Marvel character in comic books at all while she's in... I mean, how long was she actually in this coma? Oh it's, it gosh. was a while, right? No, actually, surprisingly, because then, like, after after Carol woke up, like, she knew she was Carol, but she didn't have all her memories and everything. Mm. And she was palling around with the X-Men and the Starjammers. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that right? And especially, like, that connection, because it's like, oh, you guys took it in Rogue. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, so they, they kind of played with her, but they definitely did, like... I mean, it's funny, you know, like comic books have very much been pioneering to begin with. And I mean, we've had a Ms. Marvel book for a long time. Oh, yeah. You know, but yeah, it was kind of sad that they decided like, hey, we've got this legacy. You've got Captain Marvel. You got Ms. Marvel. Cool. Well, let's kill him and let's, you know, let's let's really rock her world. Yeah. Know? So, yeah, that was. But again, Marvel space, honestly, it's always, in my opinion, I think it's always been a tough sale. Oh, I you think know, so because too. Because even with Nova, where is he? Where is he better off? He's better on Earth, you know. Like, it seems like it. I would say the best thing to ever happen to Marvel space would, would be the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Yes, I, I feel like that really boosts. I mean, even with Annihilation, like Annihilation came out way before, but it. I don't know. I feel like it. It still didn't make space that big of a prominent thing in Marvel. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a great story that does inspire the movie, but mm-hmm. you're right. The movie is what, like, those seeds grew to that amazing mm-hmm. tree. Yeah. yeah. That's what made it noticed. So then, with okay, then with the idea that uh, after Carol comes out of the coma, she goes into uh, space with the Star Jammers, do you think maybe that's where we're going to come out with in the uh, Captain Marvel movie? Because neither one of us really knows anything that's going to happen in that movie. Yeah, but it's going to be a tough guess. Can, like, can, you, can you be like... Because I know you know that she's lost some of her memories of being human yeah. at some point because she thinks she's Kree. And then I could I could see it being like, oh, well, you were actually attacked by somebody. They don't well, say yeah, mutant. Ronan they don't say drained Ro- power from her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that, that'd be interesting. I hope so. I think that'd be a great, you know, like maybe that's the, the shock and awe for us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that she was attacked and, and downgraded. So maybe Captain Marvel was using some you know, mental powers with some of machinery and they were trying to go in and, you know, pull her out and some of his memories got merged in hers. And maybe that's where the whole Cree I'm thing Kree. comes from. Yeah. It's like, you're not Cree, you're experiencing my life, but hey, that's cool. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Yeah, it could be some twist there. Who knows? 
I hope. I hope. <laughs> I'm 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 hopeful for that movie. Yeah, because like I said, I I miss I miss old classic Carol. <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, let's see. Well, moving along. So last week we had Daredevil, um, I think 609, 610, and 611 go into second printings. And obviously that won't tell the full story because this week we'll finally get Daredevil 612, which should be the conclusion to the death of Daredevil. Uh, That was Charles Soule's last issue on the book. Great story. I thought he did a fantastic job with it. I enjoyed his run. I thought it was fantastic stuff. Um, So he'll be moving on to bigger, better things, and so will Daredevil. So, I mean, unfortunately, spoiling for people that might not have read it, is is Daredevil dead? We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. Because, like, so to me, okay, when I read it, and again, it's all up to interpretation. So as we read 609, 10, 11, and 12, we think we are seeing Matt like actually being successful. Like he found a way to prove the kingpin cooked the election. Um, so like we, we see that he's winning, you know, he's figured it all out. He's got a great team. I like that team that he built. I think they were great characters. It was fun to see them in action. But then all of a sudden, uh, I forget what the, the, the very biblical looking character was. That turns out to be Matt. And then he, he realizes like, oh shit, I'm deep in a coma. And we see the whole heartbeat and the flat line. And then on the last page, boop, you know, so it's like, okay. Um, the Daredevil, well, sorry, the Man Without Fear miniseries that right. will bridge the gap between the previous run with Soul to the new run with Zardaski, that one does firmly entrench that he's in a coma. Um, and again, the last page kind of has that, if you're okay with spoiler fans, um, his hand moves and he, he's kind of like saying something. I think he's calling out Foggy, if I remember correctly. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I, I would I would assume they wouldn't keep, they wouldn't kill Matt Murdock, Daredevil, but stranger things did. have happened. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is true. Um, but no, I'm very excited. Um, I think he, he ended on an interesting note. I mean, you know, again, we've talked about that, you know, how they pass the baton where it's like, oh, let's put Matt in a crazy situation. And how does the next writer figure it out? That's going to be a tough one for, you know, for Zardaski. Well, actually, he'll be picking up after somebody else as well. So it'll be interesting. Um, but I enjoyed the series. I think it was great. Uh, Phil Noto did the art. I love his art style. I think it's great. Let's see, moving along, we've got Domino at issue number 10. That's great to see that book coming on. You know, I was curious about this because I know we talked about that with that team that Domino's going to be on. I still have yet to find out if that means the Domino book is canceled or if they're going to actually have two books for her. Yeah, I think I felt like the the book was being canceled, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not 100% myself. So I guess we'll have to wait till the next solicits come out to kind of see, like, okay. Because even Marvel, I don't think they formally did a whole like last issue, end of series type mm. of thing. So we're all speculating. But when comic books end, we get new comic books because now we're getting friendly neighborhood Spider-Man number one. <laughs> Tom Taylor, everybody's favorite Australian, is finally getting a chance to write Spider-Man Peter Parker proper. Um, I'm very excited about this. I think uh, he does a great job. He really gets into characters and their hearts and their heads. So I think this is going to be a fun series. So I recommend definitely picking this one up, keeping an eye out for it. And again, ups and downs. Iceman will get his fifth and final issue of his miniseries. Uh, that was exciting, though, because the Iceman book actually did pretty well, but then it got canceled with the whole Marvel Next Now Wow or whatever they're calling it. Uh, it got canceled, but then it got brought back for a miniseries. So this was kind of nice for the creative to come in and you know do a little bit of cleaning up, some plot lines and stuff like that, and add some more adventures before Iceman goes back into the X-Men proper. 
Ironheart, her first issue will be getting a second printing. So if you definitely want to follow on to the next generation of superheroes, there you go. You know, I got to say, I don't care for the color design on the costume. Um, like, I get that, you know, it's like, okay, let's give her her own thing. I get that, you know, like War Machine, you know, black and gray, Rescue, silver and, and red. Hers with the open face and like the purple, gold, gray. I, it just looks like, I remember as a kid when you, you had to color with colors were available. That's what that feels like, <laughs> you know. So I kind of wish they would have given her, I don't know, something a little bit. You different. know what it, it reminds me of is uh, the Hornet outfit that Spider Man wore or Peter yes, Parker wore. Thank yeah. you. There you go. Yeah, very very much so. Uh, but continuing on, Marvel's Man Without Fear issue two will continue on. What's neat about this series is it's going to be weekly and it's going to focus on people reacting to Matt and the lack of Daredevil and the fact that somebody is patrolling on hell's kitchen so issue one we got to see foggy dealing with it and we also got to see what's going on with matt and his coma so that was kind of fun this issue we should be seeing the defenders now when they say defenders i'm sure that's probably luke cage iron fist and jessica jones Mm -hmm. i'm sure those will be the characters there maybe they'll sneak in spidey and punisher which would be great um, issue three will be dealing with you know the many loves of Matt Murdock. Issue four will be the kingpin, and then issue five will be whoever this mysterious person is taking care of Goth of Gotham. Sorry, <laughs> taking care of Metropolis. Yeah, oh my God, where Hell's am kitchen? I? Hell's Kitchen. There Jeez. you go. Whew. Don't 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 do comics and in, in, in alcohol. That's a bad <laughs> idea. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Marvel Masterworks will be giving us the fourth volume of Marvel Team Up. Those were fun back in the day, so those are always neat. Um, Something that Marvel has hit on, and I wish DC would do this as well. So they're doing these like one-to-one face smile editions of very famous comic books. Um, <clears throat> like they've had their greatest Marvels, and they've all been like these $1 floppy books and whatnot. So those are great, you know, to get kids started and connected and whatnot. But I think this is kind of a little bit more for the collector. So they're going to be putting Marvel Presents Issue 3. Now, why is this issue important? It's the first appearance of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. So, yes, this is going to be a book firmly entrenched in the 1970s, and you're going to be like, yeah, I want to get that. Cool. Yondu's all you're going to recognize. <laughs> <laughs> and even then, he's not going to be the Yondu you know. He's no. not Mary Poppins. Um, but this will be Yondu, Vance Astro, Charlie 27, and Mart- Martin X, I think is how you say it. I'm not, not too sure. Martin X. Martin X. And they'll also be teaming up with Starhawk, to basically be the original Guardians of the Galaxy, or as the MCU fans will know them as the Ravengers. You know, so we did see them in Guardians too. So mm-hmm. that'll be kind of interesting. So who knows? Maybe there's some big plans with them coming up. Uh, Marvel's Avengers Endgame Prelude Part Two of Three will be out there. So again, a lot of fans of the MCU. These are your comic book adaptations of the movies. I don't know if you're going to get any spoilers from this one. I well, highly doubt it. Yeah, this is the the lead up to Endgame, so I, I don't think you're going to be getting any spoilers. But we did from the first issue already get the name of what Marvel calls the snap. They called it the decimation. The decimation. Ooh, yeah, I like that. That's what you heard in the in the first issue of that book. So. I mean, well, you you get all that you get expand upon. Yes, yeah, exactly. That extra um, information that doesn't necessarily get included in the movies. Like I know yeah. there's in the past they've they've made 
even though the, what they put in the comic book leading up to it, it doesn't make it into the movie. Like, oh yeah, the information no. gets changed. Stuff will always come down from the movie, but it'll never go up to the movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> it's a one way street. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. But these are neat adaptations of the story. So if you want to look at it in a little bit more depth and get those expand upon, that's always a neat thing. Miles Morales Spider Man issue two will be out on the stands. Now, going back to Carol, this is going to be a neat one. Um, they will be collecting Ms. Marvel. She will be getting her first epic collection, which will collect her first 14 issues, uh, a two-parter from the Marvel team-up, and then an issue of Defenders. <coughs> Excuse me. So this one will be kind of neat because it's very much going to be entranced in what was going on with her life, you know, back when she worked with NASA, you know, that's, that's kind of why I get sad that they're mm-hmm. taking away a lot of stuff. So she was a security chief with NASA. Um, you know, I think also, Oh, that's right. In this era too, she was also the editor of woman magazine. So she actually had to go head to head with J Jonah Jameson in publications and stuff like that. Wow. So there was a lot to Carol that, you know, I, I hope they keep him. Yeah, but uh, so yeah, if you want to read some classic Car- Carol, there you go, Ms. Marvel, Volume One of her epic collections. Punisher issue six will be out. Spider Gwen, Ghost Spider number four will be out. I laugh at this book's title because the whole thought was, well, we don't want to call it Spider Gwen, but we can't call it Spider Woman, so let's call it Ghost Spider. Well, who the hell's Ghost Spider? <laughs> so Spider Gwen, Ghost Spider. You know, so that's kind of one of the things. I think if they were smart, they should have just went with Gwen Stacy, Ghost Spider. That would have been yeah, smart. Because yeah. they've done that. We've had Hal Jordan, but Green Lantern, and Unfortunately, like people don't might not know. Like, the casual person might That's not know true. that Gwen, Gwen Stacy is Spider-Gwen. Yeah, like, what's, what's all this? This is weird. <laughs> uh, anyway, so... Jumping along, Thor will be out on his ninth issue. Now, that's going to be a book to watch because there's going to be the... Uh, oh, my gosh. I want to say the Battle of the Realms. Something like that. That's going to be the big crossover. So it's going to be headlined by Jason Aaron. And right now, Jason Aaron is writing both Thor and Avengers. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of seeds from those books that will be planted out there. So I would definitely keep an eye on those. Uh, Uncanny X-Men will hit the ninth issue. So those will be the big one before the conclusion to uh, Disassembled. You know, I, I've i been enjoying it, but I know there's been a lot of fan feedback and they're not too happy with it. So I just, man, X-Men fans, like, it was funny because they felt that chip on the shoulder and it turned out to be proven correct, you know, mm-hmm. that it's like, hey, Fox doesn't care about you, <laughs> so you're screwed because of that. And then Marvel doesn't care about you because of Fox. Now that everybody's one big happy family, now the X-Fans are just complaining about everything. It's like, guys, we got the X-Men back. Uncanny <laughs> X-Men is a publication again, so you got to give a little bit. But anyway, so I'll stop before I get a bunch of hate mail. Web of Venom Unleashed number one. So we're going to be getting ourselves another little mini series here that'll deal with um, the Venom dog. I don't know what to call it, but it's basically going to be kind of a a, uh, point of view from the symbiote about Eddie's time in San Francisco. So that'll be kind of interesting to see how he's dealing with that. And then let me see. I think that's about, yeah, that's, oh, X-23 will be on her eighth issue. And then also we'll get a volume one trade paperback of family album from the current series. Well, that's quite the spinner rack for this week. Uh, is there anything that you've been reading this week that you want to talk about? I don't think I have anything. 
So this week, I, I managed to keep up some newer the issues. Um, I read Man Without Fear number one. I enjoyed it. Um, I really appreciated the art style. Like I was kind of worried going into this with the solicits. I felt like it was going to be a throwaway. But after reading the first issue and seeing the interiors, I was very, very happy. So I recommend, you know, as you go, maybe pick up issues one and two if you can. I think it'll be worth your time. Uh, another miniseries that I was worried about, Marvel Knights, the 20th anniversary. That's on its fifth issue, and it'll be a six-parter. That one has been great. Um, this feels like a Marvel event book, but it's like a self-contained event. So I'm getting Punisher, Hulk, and the Fantastic Four, but I'm not going out and buying all these extra books. So this is like, this reminds me of events back when we were kids. Mm. You know, like you could read this and get all the action there. So those two miniseries have been great. Obviously, I'm getting my Matt Murdock fix. Uh, another miniseries, actually, I guess everything looking at it this week, everything has been miniseries, uh, Winter Soldier, issue two. I like the idea of Bucky kind of running around the country, you know, like, all right, hey, you wound up, you know, you're a cop. Next thing you know, now you're kind of working for Hydra. Let me get you out and set you up with a new life. I dig that. I think it's great. Uh, the introduction of this RJ character is pretty cool. Like, I mean, obviously this is going to be, you know, now Bucky's going to get his own Bucky. Um, but the one thing I do laugh about this series, so, you know, obviously his arm is supposed to be a cool thing, right? I think so far each issue it's managed to get broken. You know? <laughs> so it's kind of like, all right, we got to you gotta tone that down a little bit, you know? But uh, I'm very excited, especially uh, with the introduction of RJ. It was very sad. Like, I mean, it's all like the artist did a great job of, of showcasing it in different colors. Like, it's definitely a different tone, so you could tell it was from the past. And I mean, the, his trainer or his handler or whatever you want to call him, you know, he orders like a big old breakfast. And then even the waitress is like, oh, are you sure the boy doesn't want anything? No, he doesn't. <laughs> and then he's like, you want it? You want this food? Yeah. Well, then you're going to have to go kill those men back there. And it was like, damn, like this kid comes from a harsh realm. And speaking of harsh realms, Heroes in Crisis, issue Ooh. four. But you know what? I thought this issue was great. I mean, I, I, I can't really recall anybody dying in it, but it's definitely setting up the 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 board game and, and to see who the players are. So we, we see a lot of Barbara dealing with hers. Like she has her confessional time in the nine page segment. And, you know, she talks about, you know, she points out the bullet, you know, from being shot by the Joker. So she shows the entrance and exit wounds um, that helps her bond with Harley Quinn. So now you're going to have Barbara and Harley teaming up to try to solve this mystery. That's weird. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> then on the other side of the fence, and this one I found funny uh, just because I felt like it was forced. So you have Booster Gold and they, they're like interrogating the shit out of him. They're like, oh, whatever, Harley, eh. But Booster, no, you're clearly a fuck up. We've got to <laughs> press you against the wall. So Wonder Woman has him do a test with the lasso of truth. But even she's like, well, maybe that's what you believe is true. Right. Well, then what the hell's the point of the lasso of truth? <laughs> true. As long as I think it, I, therefore it's the truth. I mean, I get it, but really, that's ridiculous. So I know that we had Poison Ivy killed. Um, Has there been any other villains killed in Heroes of Crisis? Well, actually, I don't think we've seen Poison Ivy killed just yet. You just saw her, um, but Tattooed Man—he was—he was a villain that was okay. killed in that one. But then again, you know, he did some good stuff, so he might not entirely be a villain. Same like I don't think we've seen a Poison villain. villain. Yeah. So I don't think we've seen you know something like oh shit, Lex Luthor got wasted. I don't think we've seen <laughs> you know even like a tier D type of villain. Right. But we've seen more of the redemptive villains get killed. 
So I think that's going to be great, though, because now villains are going to be like, fuck that. I don't want to be a good guy. You told me to go to this place where I'd be safe and got, got everybody got waxed. Got, man. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, uh, all right. Uh, yeah, like I said, I haven't uh, had a chance to read anything this week, but I wanted to bring up the thing because I don't think we talked about it yet. I know we didn't talk about it last week, and I know we have two different opinions on it, but Aquaman the movie. Uh-huh. I did not enjoy that movie at all, even on Yikes. a second watching. Like, there was maybe a few. Like, okay, one thing that I did like about the about the movie, and I try to keep it at least somewhat positive, is that the costumes. I thought the costumes were great. Like, if you yes. see the underwater, uh, uh, well, when the under, when they're in the underwater realm. Like, well, not just oh, that, oh, okay. but like the when the the people from underwater come up to the surface, they have to wear the suits so that they can, oh, yeah, they yeah. can breathe water in like the ones that are not high blood born or high, you know, royalty or whatever. Cause royalty are the only ones that can breathe air and water kind of thing. Yeah. But that black Manta's outfit, um, Mara's outfit, Atlanta's outfit, like those, that stuff I thought looked really cool, but yeah, that's about job. all I liked about the movie. Like Momo already isn't the, isn't, acting as the Aquaman that I want. Like, I know that he could do it. Like, Cal Drago is the kind of Aquaman that I would want. Like, straight up royalty and in-your-face kind of thing. But that's not the Aquaman they're going for in these this movie. Right. They want more of the surfer guy, the more, hey, I'm just doing what I need to do kind of thing. So, there's that. But I thought the movie was way too too many movies. I, think was, I felt like there was like five different movies shoved into <laughs> this two-and-a-half-hour movie. Um... I really feel like they did a disservice by doing Orm in the first movie. Like I would have just had him be his brother and like acted like he was uh, happy to see him. And then, you know, at the very end you could see, Oh, well I'm the one that actually, you know, set up black Manta to attack Atlantis and stuff like that, which he kind of does in the movie. Right. But that's early on. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree with that. I think, that's one of the, the things that DC does. They introduce so damn much mm-hmm. in the first movie. And it's like, no, dude, don't. <laughs> like, don't. Like, I get it. Batman Begins, you know. Like, honestly, I feel like like Batman Begins is like the launching point. So it's like everything before Batman Begins, whatever. Those are, those are just movies. But Batman Begins and Beyond, that's where it's like, hey, we're going to make franchises with these superheroes. We're going to do something. So with Batman Begins, like, yeah, Batman could get away with it. You could show two villains, Scarecrow and right. Ra's al Ghul, Ra's al Ghul, however. You could do that because it's Batman. People will accept that. But, yeah, you know, like Green Lantern, hey, let's do Parallax and <laughs> the the Rogue Guardian and Sinestro. <laughs> and Sinestro didn't even get to, you know, like we, we see at the end in the at teaser. The end, yeah. You know, but that was like, oh, that's a bummer. And I kind of I kind of agree, like, with Orm where it's like maybe you play him that way, like throughout the whole film and then at the end. You see, you know, like maybe the prize that he that was the payoff that was given to Black Manta. You see that matching money yeah. in Orm's, you know, room, and it's kind of like, oh shit, he is the bad guy, something to that effect. Um, I appreciate the world that they created. Um, it was interesting that they did the whole unite the seven, so they definitely show the seven kingdoms and stuff like that. A lot of Aquaman history. You know, a lot of Aquaman history in that movie. Um, I think they did a good job of balancing it. But again, you know, I think that's just DC. Like, let's put everything in this film because we never will see another Aquaman film. It's like, no, peel layers back. You know, definitely go with it. Because, I mean, even Aquaman proper, like I know the, I think it's called the Atlantis Chronicles. You know, that was like in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And Aquaman's been around since the 40s. I mean, he's a golden age character. Yeah. So you don't have to give everything right then and there. <laughs> 
Uh, I wish Black Manta would have been played up a little bit more. You know, like um, I, I, I don't mind him being a hired gun, but at the same time, I think that makes him less because I've never really like I've seen him work with people, but right. he's not really the hired gun. And I really feel like we here. didn't need the origin story for Black Manta. <laughs> like I felt like it, it, well, the fathers and sons. Bit. Well, they're they're trying to capitalize on the whole. Oh, we need sympath sympathetical uh, villains like Marvel does. And it's like no, Black Manta could have worked just as. I'm a straight up pirate and I'm I'm I do this shit for money and I kill. Like yep. it would have worked out fine, but no, it's I don't know. It it I like like I said, I like the stuff that we saw with Black Mana, but I didn't like the backstory that they, they gave to him. Yeah, no, I could agree with that. I, I I didn't care for the whole dad bit that he got. Yeah. Um, because I get it, you want him to hate Aquaman, but it's like just have him hate Aquaman because he blew one of his biggest scores. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, man, if I'd gotten those doubloons up to land, I'd be freaking. I could have retired. I wouldn't have to do this <laughs> bullshit. You know, fuck that guy. Hey, what do you know about uh, Randall Park's character, this uh, professor that that's been studying Atlantean lore for? So he basically came out around New Fifty Two. That's what I was gonna say. I remember yeah. seeing that character in New Fifty Two, but I don't know anything else about him. Yeah, no, that was it. And if anything, I, from what I remember, and I could be misremembering, I thought he was a good guy. Like, he was one of the few ones who was like, no, Aquaman's not some crazy, you know, like kind of <laughs> like how Thor was, you right, know, where it's like, right. I talk proper and I claim tales of Asgard. And it's like, whatever, you're drunk, you know. So same thing. Like, here's this guy who's like, no, I am the man from Atlantis. And it's like, no, you're full of shit, you know. <laughs> so uh, the whole mad professor, I could do without yeah but, you know so i mean to me like when i go watch these comic films my my aspect is did i have fun did i did i see some cool shit that's what i liked um i i try not to go after it so much unfortunately warner brothers does make you go after so much <laughs> by putting so much in there you know like the others like they didn't have to introduce that right no. away but they did yeah uh, but i mean overall i thought it was great like i've come a long way into jason momoa's aquaman i dig him I think he does a great job. Uh, I like the relationship that they built between Aquaman and his 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 father. Mm-hmm. I thought that was cool. Like I really had, I can't even say I've seen that in the comics. So I thought that was cool. Um, Nicole Kidman coming back into DC films was neat. You know, so I like that they're honoring their history, TV shows and movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Val Kimmer will be somewhere. Yeah, you know? I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> he'll be a, he'll be a somewhere. I don't know. Maybe. Where. He'll be uh, Dolby Dickles for Alex Scott's Uh But anyway, so yeah, it's just neat like that. So I mean, I just I had fun. If I if I just connect it to itself, I think if I try to put it in with the whole whatever the world of DC movies, I could definitely see myself getting a little bit more frustrated. But I mean, overall, I, I thought it was cool. I was glad that they handled the CGI very well because uh, I was kind of worried that like the underwater scenes could be goofy. See, and I disagree. I think the yeah. underwater scene, I think the CGI and the underwater scenes were, were pretty bad. So mm. that's, I mean, it, and that's just what it is. You know, oh, yeah. that's, we see, see it two different ways. Yeah. And I think most of the people that I, I read uh, or talked to that said they liked it, they, the, the one word they use is that it was fun. And I was like, all right, well, there you go. Yeah, you, exactly. you had a fun time, then you had a fun time. That's great. Yeah. No, that's how I've learned to, because trust me, I, back in the day, I used to, like the X Men movies taught me a lot about comic book films, <laughs> and I learned a lot. And uh, since I've just gone into that aspect of, did I have fun? That's all I need. So I'm a very simple critic. I, you know, like, hey, I was glad I didn't feel mad that I spent like nine fifty to buy a ticket. <laughs> That's all I can care about. Um, but it did feel nice to to see a DC movie do positive. You know, so it's like, all right, cool. So maybe that'll kind of you know get DC to stick to. Um, more of the comics, but less of the, you know, the um, 
Oh, what's the word? The the keep the quantity of the comics down, but keep the quality of the story in there. That would be yeah, that'd, that'd be that's great. Good phrasing that sounded smart. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so like we were saying, it's a brand new year, so it's going to be a brand new day. We are starting off our first challenge of 2019 with how would you make brand new day Spider Man brand new day fit into the DC universe. This was a tough one. So we were talking, and and you brought this one up, and I was like, yeah, that sounds exciting. <laughs> and then when I had to sit down and think about it, I was like, oh, shit, because in a way, you know, so Brand New Day, well, One More Day launched in a Brand New Day, that just affects Spider-Man. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, that shouldn't be too hard. But no, we've had our DC Universe rocked, like New 52 Many changed times so over. much shit. Because yeah. <laughs> part of me was like, oh, I'll go for the biggest love couple out there, Clark and Lois. Eh, nah, let me challenge myself. I had a hard time finding married <laughs> characters because they're not married anymore. They're not you know? married. I was Most like, of oh, them aren't. Yeah. I'll go after Barry and Iris. Wait, not they're not married. Okay, uh, Wally and Lynn, not married. Uh, <laughs> they're not even in a relationship. <laughs> yeah, we haven't seen Linda in forever. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I thought that it, it'd be interesting to see what that would look like in the DC universe. And and we're actually on the... 20 or the 11th anniversary of because two that January 2008 was when we had Brand New Day or the first issue of that, so the fallout from One More Day, right? Um, and so explain what it was that happened in One More Day. What, what was what was there? Well, so basically, to, to jump into that, let's go back a step more to Civil War. So during the Civil War, you know, Tony and Steve were kind of competing to get Peter's affections. <laughs> Eventually, Peter kind of sided more with Iron Man. He fell more into the whole idea. Um, Iron Man convinced Peter Parker to unmask himself in front of everybody and reveal that he has been Spider-Man for his whole life. Because that was Tony's thing. Because at the beginning of, of Civil War, it was... You had Captain America, who everybody knew, knew was Steve Rogers, saying, look, you shouldn't ask superheroes to uh, unmask themselves. That's that's wrong. And then you had Tony Stark, or Iron Man, who no one knew at the moment that Tony Stark was Iron Man, and he unmasked himself on national television. So that was the, hey, if you're going to be on my team, you're going to benefit from the the Stark money, you should unmask too yep. to show everybody well, we who you like, are. We're cops, right? You know? So yeah, and who would be the biggest one to who would have the most punch for their secret identity reveal? Peter Parker, Spider Man. It's very true. Yep. So that happened. Um, and then of course, you know, midway through it, Peter's kind of like, "Oh shit, I backed the wrong horse." So now he joins the Underground Avengers, and he's doing his best to fight the or basically be anti-registration. Which leads to Kingpin setting up a hit and managing to make it successful enough to shoot Aunt May. So Aunt May's basically laying on her deathbed. Spider-Man goes back to the black costume. He's on the run with MJ. Now, you take in mind, you know. this was also around Spider-Man 3. And yes. that's the reason why they brought the black oh, yeah. costume back. Yeah, let's, let's do this. So <laughs> movies, good gosh. Uh, luckily, he didn't change any hairstyles or dance moves. Uh, so anyway, so finally, Pete manages to you know figure things out. And you know he resolves the shooting situation. But now it's the whole situation of how do I save Aunt May? And of course, you know he goes. And, and this was a cool part because I think... I think part one of One More Day was that one where like he meets Iron Man in an alleyway and he's just like, oh, I'm so pissed at you. And Iron Man's like, well, don't bother hitting me. My armor's going to beat the hell out of you. <laughs> and Spider-Man just does his like air punches and he looks up and he sees Iron Man webbed up, mm -hmm. you know, and it was like, wow. You know, Joe Quesada actually, uh, he co-wrote this with J.M. Straczynski. Uh, and there's a lot of talk about why they're co-writers because... 
there wasn't some agreements. You know, oh, I didn't Quisada. know about that. Yeah, well, so basically, JMS had his idea of what Spider-Man was going to be. Mm-hmm. And then Marvel wanted to change because once Joe Quesada got into the editor-in-chief seat, you know, he started looking at stuff. And he's like, there's too many X-Men. So that's why we had Decimation. Decimation, yeah. You know, all kinds of stuff. And it's like, well, you can't have fun with Spider-Man if he's married. So we got to change that. So that was one of his mandates. And he came in and he did the art. And he's the co-writer as well. Um so basically, like it, it, the story kind of goes that I think if it if I remember correctly, what is it? It's like a five parter. No, it's a four part story. Like the the last issue, whatever the final part is, um, concluding yeah, it concludes an amazing Spider Man five forty five. That's where JMS kind of was like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. That was his last issue. He's credited, but I think I've heard him even say like, I wish my name wasn't on that issue because that's not how he entirely wanted to end the book. Wow. Yeah. So that's pretty wild. Um, so, anyways, Pete goes everywhere he can. He's talking to Doctor Strange. Like, can you help my aunt? What can you do? He didn't go to the X Men because they've got a ton of healers. Um, so, anyways, <laughs> finally it comes down to but it. But he Mephesto. does. He, he went to. I remember, yeah, he did he, go to the X Men. No, I don't know if he went oh. to the X Men specifically. But he did go around all the, yeah, the superheroes. Yeah. And was like, hey, because I remember him going to Doctor Strange. It seems like yeah, you should go to Angel. Who at around that time we found out that Angel can use his blood to, to heal other yeah, people. He's got a healing factor all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you should be able to. He, he, I think. I mean, he goes to Reed Richards. Reach. You know, you're the smartest man alive. Can you please fix her somehow? And yeah, can you can you save somebody from? From a gunshot wound? No, well, no, I can't. Uh, send her into space? Yes. Gunshot wound? No, no, no. That's not my expertise. <laughs> Want some unstable molecules that could help block it up? No, can't. No, I mean, no, no. really? I mean, could you not get uh, Hank Pym to shrink down and repair the the wounds? You know, at a atomic level, <laughs> night nurse herself. Yeah, yeah. No, I I find it hilarious just the way they kind of wrote themselves in that corner. But because I can understand it when it's like a hero or somebody dying right then. Yeah, and right like in the situation. Yeah, because yeah. there's no there's no one to to there's no one around. There's not enough time. But like when she's on a medical bed, you know, fighting for her life and stuff. It's like, come on. All the, the the greatest minds that you know, and none of them can save yeah, her. Nobody can help pull her out of this medical induced coma from a gunshot wound. <laughs> really, like that's where I wish I wish they would have had more that it was Mephisto, kind of like mm. trapping Spider Man in this, you know, putting him like a spider in a glass and like no, <laughs> right, yeah, this is you you can't do this. You have to use my help. This is the way it's gonna go. But anyways, so yeah, so Mephisto conveniently comes in. And he's like, look, I'll I'll save Aunt Light. I'll save Aunt May. You know, not a problem. The only thing I ask is I want your marriage. I want your love. Your love. That's right. Love between Pete and MJ. Now, it is goofy, but it is kind of sweet, you know, because a lot of the times, if you ever look at Spider-Man when he has those big miraculous moments, he does think of his loved ones, and that's what helps him to Mm -hmm. endure and overcome. So that does take a big thing. It's goofy, but it is really, it is sweet. So, of course, they do have it. Then there was the famous whisper. Well, you got yeah. Say first is that Peter says no. Peter says no. I'm not going to do that. That's true. Yeah, Pete says no. I'm not for this. This is not right. And, and then Mem J is the one that takes it into her hands. She's like, yes, I can't. I can't make it so that Peter doesn't have his Aunt May. And then there's the whisper. Yeah. Did we ever right. find out what that was? We did. Um, I can't. It wasn't like it was built up to be so big because that's why we got the one moment in time that's sequel. Right. Yeah. And it was just kind of like, oh. Cool. All right. Doesn't mean much. (laughs) But yeah. So no, that definitely changed things in Spider-Man's world. It put him on the brand new day. 
um, which established, you know, single Spidey and, and put him on all kinds of adventures, uh, led to Spider-Man, all the books condensing down. So no more friendly neighborhood, no more sensational, no more Spider-Man. It was all put into one amazing Spider-Man book that was published three times a month for a couple of years. Uh, the great brain trust of writers, Mark Wade, Bob Gale. Then eventually it led way to um, Dan Slott taking over and running the book for, what, close to 10 years? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and I, I remember, was it right after... So, at the beginning of Brand New Day is... Um, uh, what, uh, Peter and... Robbie Jr., Robbie Robertson Jr. Yeah, together? Robbie Jr., yeah, that's right, getting an apartment together. Yeah, so, and Mary Jane's just not even in the picture. Like, yep. So. Or then they would tease us. They'd have her pop in every now and then. It's and like, then will they? No. <laughs> didn't they also throw in Jackpot at that point? And yeah, they, like, they created to, Jackpot, and you're like, oh, my God. It's got to be it's MJ. It's got to be MJ, because she's doing the whole tiger thing. Yeah. Nope. No, just another random redhead. It says Tiger. <laughs> and has the word jackpot, which was part of her, also part yep. of her opening line. Uh, okay, so our challenge was then to be, who is your Peter? Who is your MJ? Who is your Mephisto? And then who is your dying person, your Aunt May? Yep. So pretty, pretty easy four characters. We've done harder ones in the past, but like you said, it was difficult to find the the, the character in the DC universe that, that would be equivalent. DC has done their one more day. They've done it over and <laughs> over and 52. over again. Yeah. <laughs> Just about everybody's relationship ended in New 52. Yep, everybody got like youth. That's a good word for that. <laughs> so uh, I'll go ahead and go with mine first. Since I threw the challenge out, right. I, I went with one of my favorite characters. And though they are not married right now, they are in a relationship finally. It is Oliver and Dinah, Green Arrow and Black Canary. Yeah. And I felt like I had a great person for my Aunt May to throw in there right now because of Heroes in Crisis, Roy Harper. So yeah. Roy Harper has been killed at Sanctuary and... Oliver blames himself because he told him to go to sanctuary. He's like, I don't, I can't believe I did this. I don't know what to do. I don't, what, what am I supposed to do in this situation? And who should hear? Or that's not just that. He goes to one of Roy's old teammates. He goes to uh, Raven. Nice. Because her father is Trigon, who is a demon who has the power to resurrect. And he goes and makes a deal with, with Trigon. So, there you go. Trigon is your Mephisto. He says, look, I can bring him back. I'm not even going to ask you to release me from my, my prison in this, <laughs> in this gem, but uh, I, need, I need the love between Dinah and, and Oliver to, to fuel the bringing back of Roy Harper. Would Roy, would Roy like this when he comes back? Does Oliver tell him? Does Roy have the memory of dying? I don't know. That's all, I think those are really good questions. I think this one, I like I like the cast of characters you use. And honestly, I like it because it totally fits in. I don't know if you planned this or not, but it fits in with Ollie's selfishness. Yes. Because Roy's at peace. Yeah. So now you drag me back to life with the guilt of knowing that you, Ollie, you gave up Dinah's love. Because <laughs> you don't fucking love anybody but yourself. <laughs> so that's the hard part. So that's what's going to be so neat is that this is what Ollie did. But in the end, the ramifications, it's like Dinah and Roy are probably going to want nothing to do with you. That's almost positive. And then we're going to get a really dark 
Green Arrow, and it's going to end up like the TV show for some yeah. reason. <laughs> Uh, and unfortunately, he's going to marry Felicity, and it's going to be a thing all over again. Dang it! So what did you I do? Just made Arrow <laughs> the CW Arrow continuity. <laughs> I, I also kind of would love to see like uh, uh, Oliver and Raven fight, like because I feel like you know, obviously Raven's going to be like, no, don't do this. You can't go to my father. Like he's he's evil. Like it, none of this is going to be good. And then there will be that thing in the background of like. What if Trigon did something to Roy? You know, maybe he's going to be a little bit evil. Ooh. And then we were, and we were talking before we started recording. It's like, what if uh, Trigon actually pulls Connor Hawk from pre-Flashpoint yep. and be like, "Look, he saved Roy. He didn't even save you. Yeah, so now you got you. Connor Hawk, who's an agent of Trigon." I think that'd be an interesting world. A dark Arrow. <laughs> <laughs> it's happened. Hey, why not? Let's play with it. So it. I don't know what what, what you end up having the Oliver that you had after after New Fifty Two, <coughs> where he's kind of playboyish again, living on his own, and you know, not not a, not around Dinah and stuff like that. But I think I think that would that'd probably be my closest equivalent. Well, I like it. I think because it 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 puts Ollie. You know, like that's the thing. Like I always like when in the comics, it's like, hey, let's take Ollie, let's make him a badass. You know, like the whole longbow hunters, or after, oh my god, what was that? Cry for justice. Cry know, for justice. Like, yeah, I'm gonna kill fucking Prometheus, and it's like, I and mean, he can, he can do these things, but that's not true to Ollie. No, you know that's not his character, and you know it's really neat to have his cast of characters come back and save him, Roy and Dinah especially. So I like that he pays a heavy burden. Like mm-hmm. his heart's in the right place, just like all it usually is, but his actions fuck Not everything right up. Yeah. So it does a great job of doing that. So I, I dig it. I think that would be a great direction to take it. Your timing's perfect. Yeah. Heroes in Crisis, you know, like that is perfect to say, okay, here's what we're going to do with this book. <laughs> it does kind of put it in the um, – the Arrowverse style, so yeah. that's that's not. I don't know how I feel about that. But. I, don't, I don't feel about that either. <laughs> but uh, but it is neat that it'll kind of it'll put it in there. And obviously, status quos always come back, so that'll be really great when exactly. we finally have the Arrow family. And especially, I like the happy little accident of hey, we get Connor. Back. We get Connor back. Hey, we're getting the Young Justice back. I can get Connor back too. Yeah. Just click your heels three times. <laughs> All right, who did you pull out of the DC universe then? Oh, my God. So I struggled with this one because, like I said, I didn't want to go for an obvious one. And then I started looking around. And I was like, nobody left is married. So I'm going to have to do a little bit of time travel, and I'm going to have to go back to the um, to the 52. Not the new 52, but the weekly 52. Ah, I like it. So uh, I'm going to use Elongated Man. I'm going to go into his world. So he'll be my Peter Parker, Ralph Dibney. Okay. Um, my Mary Jane and Aunt May are actually going to be a twofer here. So I'm going <laughs> to bend the rule a little bit. But Sue, uh, because unfortunately, so we get this great story, but there's always a price to pay. So we, we find out that Sue was raped by Dr. Light back yeah. in the past, back in the past which yeah. is a new thing. And then we discover that she was killed by Gene uh, Palmer, the ex-wife of the Atom. So hopefully that way the Atom would come back because when family gets hurt, family gets closer. That's the thought process. <coughs> so anyways, um, so Gene, or sorry, Sue, uh, Sue winds up dying and this kind of changed Ralph, but luckily, you know, he, he stayed optimistic. Then eventually he died in the 52 weekly book and they kind of played with this idea of the ghost detectives. Right. 
which was cute, but it wasn't a right way to fix it. <laughs> so what would I have done? Good question. All right. So I like Neron. I think he's a great character. He's going to be my Mephesto. I, they're obviously very much a one-for-one -one match. I, I love doing stuff like that. So I want to play this up as a sequel to Underworld Unleashed. So Mephesto has yet to... No, actually, he is a um, Ryman demon. Right, because so at from the, the end of Fallout, Underworld Unleashed. Well, yeah. yeah so, well, actually, from the fallout of Day, Day of Judgment. Day of Judgment, Day you. of Judgment, he got demoted to a Ryman demon. So what I want to do is I want him to kind of be like, fuck, I need to get out of this situation. I don't want to deal with this stuff. So he's got to get good things to get him there. So obviously, hence why he's going to go after love. And, you know, so it's kind of like, okay, because last time, how did I get beat during Underworld Unleash? The purity of Billy Batson, a.k.a. Captain Marvel, better known as Shazam. So Billy's integrity is what defeated him. So he's kind of learning some stuff. So he's like, yeah, if I could take away some love from this earth, that's truly a heinous action. So I'm going to be okay. So right before Ralph dies, you know, like I forget, I think he went to Nanda Parbat and he wound up almost sacrificing himself or something like that. I'm going to have it mere moments before that, you know, Neron approaches him. He's like, look, I can help you out. You know, you miss Sue very much, right? And he's like, oh, of course I do. You know, I would, I'd give anything to get her back. Those are the words I want to mm -hmm. hear. So at that point he says, okay, I can bring her back. Do you love her enough to have her alive? And he's like, of course I do. So he's framing it in the sense that it's like, I will bring her back, but you won't be allowed to have her love. Mm -hmm. So it kind of, it, it will go back and ripple in the effects of stuff. So like, luckily it, it's a minor event, but it's not major enough to cause issue. But it's one of those things where it's like now in the history of, of Elongated Man comics, Ralph kind of had to avoid Sue's pursuits. And then we have a better reason why Sue kept going after him, you know, because in the first in the first appearance of the two, he takes his mask off and he's like, I love you, Sue, you're mine and everything's great. Well, now he knows that if he loves her, she'll die. So he has to stay away from her. He has to break his own heart every wow. time. So this takes one of the happy-go-lucky characters, and it takes him from that silver age of awesomeness, <laughs> and it kind of shits on it, you know, because that's what we love to do. Very um, true. But yeah, so that's now his curse. In order to keep her alive, in order to have her in his life, he has to be mean to her. He has to reject her advances and stay away from her. Um, so yeah, so that kind of goes there. Uh, if I get to play it out more, I'd eventually love to make her a rogue. I think that'd be great. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think that'd be fun. Now it's like, is it worth it? Is it worth it having her alive to see what she's become? <laughs> kind of like, you know, the whole like with George Bailey when he wishes he was never born and right. he goes into the world and he sees what his wife became. Mm -hmm. I kind of want to play it in that aspect. So that's what I would do. I would have Neron during that time of 52. He goes to Elongated Man and saves both of them by destroying both of them. And, and I, one of the things I like about the story is that <laughs> you have elongated man burdened with the memory or knowledge that he can't yep. love her or she can't love him. I, and that's the thing, you know, neither Peter Parker or Mary Jane knew about their relationship prior to it. I mean, eventually they did, but yeah. prior to that, they didn't know. And so you you have that extra torture for, for uh, yep. Ralph to be like, oh, man, I know what I'm missing out on. Yeah. So... Great, great story. Uh, I think Tom King needs to give us a call. We need to be like, of okay. course. We've got some spin outs from uh, Heroes in Crisis. There you go. <laughs> I'll gladly write the blue and gold book. <laughs> Heroes in Crisis. For everybody giving all the shit, it did give us the first blue and gold team up. 
in the new post-rebirth DC universe. There you go. That's massive. <laughs> uh, if you have any challenges for us or ideas or comments on what we talked about today, we'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter. I am at Mitchipedia GE. GE stands for Geek Elite. And Franey, it's also on So I'm Twitter. on Twitter as Stuff I Should Say Should Being Spelled S-H-U-D. The rest of Geek Elite is on, is on Twitter as Geek Elite Media. It's also at Geek Elite Media on Instagram and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Media dot com website. Yeah, it's weird. It's so strange to <laughs> it's say muscle Geek Elite memory. Media. You're fighting yeah. against muscle memory. <laughs> I've been saying Geek Elite Radio for so long, but you know what? You can actually type in Geek Elite Radio still. Geek Elite Radio dot com and still get to our new website. So Geek Elite Media is our website. Check it out. Give us your feedback. Come say hi. Come play. Have Come, a great time with yeah, us. Exactly. Uh, but until next time, this is Imagine If on the Geekly Media Network saying, always remember to geek, geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program. This podcast has been brought to you by Cuts by Candice. Candice Giss is a hairstylist that listens to your needs and will work with you to get the right look for you. With 18 years of experience, Candice is the premier stylist that I trust with my look. And right now, if you mention this ad when you make an appointment from now until the end of February 2019 and give our promo code GEEKOUT, you will get 10% off your hair services. Follow Cuts by Candice on Facebook and Cuts underscore Candice on Instagram and start looking the best you you can.